Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. I am going to be sharing a wonderful testimony on Nikki's behalf in a minute. Uh, and I'm so excited to share it, Nikki. Thank you for being brave um, and sharing it with the church. But I also um, wanted to um, share with you Sam's love this morning. He is very unwell and he's in bed. So um, he's on antibiotics with an infection. But um, he is watching us this morning. And um, do pray for us as we're traveling to Italy on Tuesday to see Sam's family. Uh, we're going to have a big family reunion. We're going to be away for two Sundays. So Sam's little sister is, is um, driving um, from um, Holland together with her family. And Sam's older sister with her husband is, is going to be there. So we're going to be blessed with a very precious and very rare family time together. We are going to miss you, but we will be following you on the internet as well. So um, that's that. So with your permission, we will be taking your greetings to two churches in Italy. We will be visiting Sam's church where he grew up in, um, in northern Italy, in Gallarate. And uh, we will then also be visiting Joelis and Jessica's church. Um, so, um, yeah, and then um, I, I always love how when you read the Bible... And in Paul's letters, there are all those greetings, aren't they? And greet this brother, and greet the sister, and greet the church. So you, you don't see each other because the churches are in, in different physical, different places. But we're all connected, aren't we? So, um, um, yeah, so coming to Nikki's testimony, so exciting. So Nikki has been struggling for quite a long time with an average of two epileptic seizures a day, which, um, you know, were quite hard on her. And um, you might have seen her wearing um, a, a soft hat just to prevent her from hurting her head. Um, and um, two weeks ago, Nikki took a step of faith to get baptized. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it's not just a spiritual step of faith as the baptism is a declaration to the visible and the invisible world on where you stand. You stand with Jesus. But for Nikki, it was also overcoming the physical awkwardness and difficulty of, of being baptized, of stepping into a pool. And, and since her baptism, Nikki has not suffered any seizures at all. So in the name of Jesus... And we should say, by the blood of Christ, she is free, and we stand with you in, in thankfulness. We know where this healing comes from, and I want to encourage you this morning, you know, if you need to believe for healing or for a breakthrough, God's power is there, and God's power is available. And you know, we sometimes we... We run dry and we are discouraged, but God is in control. We sang this morning, He reigns and He is there and He's still God. A couple of days ago, I was gardening just out here together with Jane Martin. And we were speaking about, um, you know, just, just about the fact that when God created the world, He chose to plant a garden. You know, He could have built a palace, couldn't He? 
he could have, I don't know, he could have had the first two people on the seaside, you know, somewhere in Spain where it's not, you know, but he planted a garden, didn't he? That was the, that was the habitat where God chose for the first people to be in, right? And we were just like, we got carried away as we got through the weeds, just speaking about God, the gardener, and, you know, the different pictures of the, of the soil as well. You can have the fruitful soil where fruit grows and flowers grows. There are the weeds who try to take away the, the fruit. But then there is also the fact that sometimes you got a drought and there is no water. And the grass, some, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but sometimes it's so dry that the ground cracks it is they're so dry, and it's the cracks in there. And I think sometimes we feel like this as Christians, that we are, we're running really low. And, you know, we are so dry that there are cracks. But I want to encourage you this morning, if that's how you feel, a ground like that full of cracks is the most respective for, for most receptive, thank you, Val, most receptive for water, right, for the living water of, of God. And, you know, be encouraged this morning. That's how you feel. God has got, I don't know what Ken is going to preach about, but God has got a word this morning, right? So um, I think that's probably all that I was going to say. Uh, oh, and Joe and Jeff and Faye, are you coming up just to share something too? Well, we were on behalf of Faye. She's here with us. <laughs> We didn't actually know that we were going to be asked, but Anna just asked us very quickly. So yesterday, um, Faye had felt really um, strongly that it would be a good idea for us as a church just to go out and be visible in the community a little more. Not that we aren't already, but just taking an opportunity. So there was the Wheating Fate that was on yesterday. And we had a little stall. And it was just really great just to be there and chat to people. Um, so I'm going to do a promo for Alpha. So we were there really sort of trying to talk about Alpha. So those of you in the church, who knows about Alpha? Oh, that was a bit rubbish. You know, who knows about Alpha? Yes, fab, right. So Alpha only works if people are invited along. Okay, so we were there inviting people. But the way most people come is because they know somebody. Um, so please, we've got another um, group that's going to be running in September. We haven't set down the date perfectly yet, but it's probably going to be running after the schools go back in September. It's one night in the week, uh, usually a Wednesday or a Thursday evening, and it's a great opportunity. People are waiting for you to invite them to come. So invite them. We have some flyers that make it super easy for you. It's got a QR card on the back, uh, uh, thing on the back, so they can just put that in their phone, or they can phone us, they can email us, they can talk to us. So please, please invite your friends. If they say no, they say no. We've got our next one over. We, we invite all the time, bless her. She's like, one day she's going to say yes. I know it. And, um, so that's it. Don't, don't be put off if someone says, oh, it's not really for me this time. So who is in this church who's come via an invite to Alpha or generally to church? Who's, who's in this church? Look at this, right? What an exciting thing. You know, people come to know God and the fullness of his love in their lives and the freedom that that brings because they're invited. Invited first by God and then we on the earth 
bring that actual invite. So please do invite. We had a wonderful time yesterday. We'd like to do it more. So um, we'd like to invite you to maybe think about, could I stand there for two hours and just talk, you know, just talk about the goodness of God in my life? Why not, right? It's not a hard thing. You don't need to be a theologian. You just talk about what God's done in your own life. So uh, that's our testimony. Amen to that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? I just want to share. We have had probably a, a really, really tough week this week for us. Um, and I woke up Saturday morning and I thought, do you know, I just don't want to do it. It's been an awful week and I'm feeling dry. You know, like Anna said, I'm feeling dry. And I don't want to do it. And... Um, but I felt like I committed to do it, so I was like, okay, come on, get, get your big pants on. And actually, God is good whether you, exp- whether you feel like it's good in that moment or not. And you know what? God showed himself to be good. Those, when I started talking about his goodness, you feel it in your heart. It's not that you're making it up. You remember all of the goodness of all those other times. So even when he's not feeling good today, and I feel there are probably lots of other people in the church at the moment who are not feeling great. They're worried, there's sickness or there's difficulties or things haven't gone the way they thought they would go. But God is good. He is good all the time, whether we feel it or not. So my encouragement to you is, even if it's feeling a bit tough at the moment, contemplate our crucified and risen Christ. And they, nothing can be so bad that, uh, that, that his victory over death uh, doesn't beat. Hands down. Hands down. So just let that be an encouragement to you. Even if you're in the middle of the storm and it's feeling a bit crazy and a bit rubbish, God is good and his goodness will be experienced in your life. Yeah. All right. I'm just going to quickly do the announcements. And I've only got two. Very short and sweet. Okay. So summer is fast whizzing by. Can't believe July nearly finished. And we are going to finish the summer in September with a summer spectacular at Warren Close. So our Warren Close outreaches have always been so, so good. They impact that community. They make really a great difference. And like Joanna says, you know, we're out there in the community. We're telling people about Jesus. We're spreading the word. And, you know, we're blessing that community. Well, the whole of Brandon, because people can't help but come out, can they? So... Put this date in your diary, Saturday, the 2nd of September. We will be on Warren Close. We will be doing all sorts of things quite spectacularly. Um, And it will be from 11 to 1. So there'll be fun games and food, as always. Uh, Joanna is heading that up, bless her heart, uh, but she's not doing it on her own. She's going to have a wonderful team of people who are going to rush to say they're going to volunteer and help. So Saturday, September the 2nd is in your diaries, I hope, and please do not forget. And we will be giving you more information about what you can be involved in as the weeks go by. All right, and then one other opportunity to help is for those of you who've got a passion and a heart for the young people in our church, because we're getting more young people. We are, we are, we are. And Joe and Jeff have been doing an awesome job leading the youth and, you know, encouraging them, spurring them on. And yeah, we've got evidence of what impact they can have. Our son has been in our youth group from, so Joanna has been involved in youth from when she was a youth. You're still a youth, Joe. Yeah. But anyway, um, so anyway, we are looking for people to just join them and help. So if you could volunteer on 
one Sunday a month at the minute. They managed to do two Sundays a month. But if we could get a bit more of a team of people together, just who, you know, they'll talk you through what's involved. You're not going to be left on your own. But the kids need, you know, some direction, some guidance, and some input. And, you know, who but the lovely church people would not be the best for that. So if you are interested and you feel that you've got a call for that, please speak to Joe, and they would love to talk you through what that involves. All right, we're going to do tithes and offerings. Kids are dismissed. So if you want to see me at the back, if you want to give online. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't check my diary. Yes, indeed. All right, one more announcement. Giuseppe is on it. Sorry. On the last Saturday of the month, we have prayer in the cafe from 7 till 8, do we not? Yes. So this Saturday, come in. Yeah, um, we are going to meet and we're going to have a good time together. So please put that in your diaries as well. All right, well, praise God. It's good to stand in this place, isn't it? A sacred spot. I always think when you stand to preach, never forget that you stand in a very sacred place. It's something that God can speak to people. And I think what what a tremendous responsibility and privilege that God can speak to people. Who's believing that God could speak to your heart today? I think the danger with coming to church is we do church. We know how to do church. I was really impressed by you still reign and you're still God. The old saints used to say it like this, he sits high, but he can reach low. You still reign, you're still God, and you get involved with me. All right, who wants to read some Bible today? You know me, if you don't like reading the Bible, you're in the wrong place. Judges. No, I'm not judging you. Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. Look at that. Maybe because I'm getting old. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, it doesn't mean they went on holiday, it meant they died. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. The danger of a people growing up who do not know the Lord and do not know his works. So, we as believers have a responsibility, don't like that word, to pass on what we know of God, but also to demonstrate God. They did not know God, but they did not know the works of God. I get worried as a Pentecostal person. I love it. But people are embarrassed about baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking with tongues. They're embarrassed about laying your hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They're embarrassed about the things that we hold as fundamental truths. These things we know for sure, because they are taught in this book, and we have been taught by those who have gone before, and we have seen, and we have heard, and we know these things to be true. And if we do not tell and demonstrate, how will they know? Come on, someone needs to get excited today. I'm just beginning. But we need to tell and demonstrate. You know, 
when was the last time you thought, that person's sick, I'm going to slap a hand on them? That I want to demonstrate God. That I want to show he sits high, but can reach low. That you still reign, but you are still God. And you can affect my situation and circumstance. Oh, I'm here today to challenge. I don't preach often. Maybe that's why you don't let me out the cage very often. But I'm here today just to crank you up. To get you excited. A generation died. Listen, you know the saying? First the man, then the movement, then the monument, then the mausoleum. If you don't know what a mausoleum is, it's where they stick dead things. First the man. Church history. Look at the Methodists. Look at the Salvation Army. Look at so many of these great groups. Look at the Pentecostal movement. I can give you first the man, then the movement. Thank God. Then the monument. Oh, yes, we are. And then the mausoleum. Dead as dough does. Listen, because it applies to my life. It applies to our church life. If we're not careful, we can have the name of being alive I don't know if I agree with you good, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 says this, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof I want to tell you today, you can come to this house, you can meet with Jesus, you can be saved, healed, delivered, set free changed really? I'm so excited. If we do not believe in the product we are marketing, why on earth are we marketing it? There's nothing worse than a salesman trying to sell you something you don't believe in. Oh, Jesus will set you free. Look at me. I'm so happy. You cannot believe how joyful I am. Stop that sinning, all that enjoying yourself, and become a Christian. If we do not believe in the product we are marketing, why should people want it? Those of you who are embarrassed about this, I am 72 years young, and I'm still excited, and I still believe there's something that's going to happen, and I still believe that God's got a great adventure for me, and the best is at the end. But along the way, it's an adventure. Anyway, we better get on. The danger. Look at this, I'm always, I'm five lines down already. What we need in the church and as individuals is a revival. You hear that word pandered about, you hear that word spoken about, but very few of you actually know what you're looking for. A revival is far more than just an ingathering of people. If that was true, every football match would be a revival. Every Black Friday would be a revival, wouldn't it? If it's just a gathering of people, great. But let me give you some definitions. Firstly, a revival is a coming back to life. Fred drowned. Those of you who are brave enough, breathed on him, or whatever you did, and he revived. That's the first definition, easy one. From death to life. Second one, coming back to activity. 
Um, they revived an interest in. They revived the third one. To come back from neglect, you can revive your plants in a pot. Fourth one is to come back to a spiritual concern, to get in love with Jesus again. To get excited about being saved again. To be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, encouraging one another, slapping a hand on a sick person and believing God's going to move. And, oh, well, we're getting there. By the time I finish, I'm sure you'll be a lot better. But listen, the psalmist puts it like this, Psalm 85 and 6. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Ready? Will you not do it again? Will you restore us? Will you revive us, that we might rejoice in you? The reason some people, not in this house, but in some churches, are so boring so lifeless is because they need to go back to the process of being restored, being revived, that they might rejoice in the God of their salvation. Can you say amen? Sometimes, before you get to those three, there's another one. Ugly word, repentance. Isaiah 59 and 2. I'm preaching for you better than you're shouting. Isaiah 59 and 2 says this. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. And because he is of your sins, he cannot see you, basically. So sometimes we'll add another R, repentance, which leads to restoration, which leads to revival, which leads to rejoicing. And then when the church is doing all of that, that's when you get the ingathering. When the church is on fire, guess what? people will come and watch you burn. When you're on fire, people will want to get close because they want your heat. Come on, I'm preaching. Oh, listen to this. Yes. I'm going to speak to you now today. None of you look, own up. Ready? In each of you, there should be a holy discontent. A holy disquiet. Let me tell you this. With God, you're either going forward or going backward. There isn't a neutral. You love me. Smile at me. You're either going forward or you're going backward. There isn't a neutral. Oh, Ken, I've come to a good place. Yeah, but there's a better place. Oh, Ken, I think I've arrived. Well, keep going. There's more. You see, once with, no matter how old we are, 72, yeah, no, no, very well. But it's not that I've arrived. Paul, the great apostle, let's be honest, had revelations of Jesus, went up into the third heaven, there he saw things not, which are not right to us. Yeah, Paul had business, did he not? Damascus Road, met with Jesus. Not that I've already arrived. Not that I've already attained, but forgetting what lays behind, I press on. He's the kind of guy who said, oh, I know whom I have believed. He is the same guy who said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. 
There's that pressing on, that holy discontent, that holy disquiet, which will take us to the next level that God wants to take each one of us to. Can you say amen? And I was speaking to myself. I was there this morning. I thought, Lord, forgive me. I want to be that one who's pressing on to get hold more of you. I know there's more. Higher heights, deeper depths. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the good things that God has planned for those that love him. Wherever you are in God now, there's more. Can you turn to the person graciously next to you and say to them, there's more. And if they, start, if they snarl at you, just remind them. A holy disquiet. How? How are we going to be changed? How is this right revival going to come about? Obviously by the word and by the spirit. Two means that God's going to use to revive you. If you ain't reading your Bible, if you ain't listening to your Bible, if you ain't getting into your Bible, I tell you what, you ain't going to change. If you ain't open to the Spirit in the sense of saying, Lord, change me. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I want more of you. You have to put yourself in the place where God can meet with you. Can you say, Amen. Too often we think, I'll go walk down the street and the Holy Spirit's just going to go, and before we know where we are, we're changed. No, it don't work like that. I'm preaching fast for you because I've got a long way to go. We just need to get under the spout where the glory comes out. You've heard that one before. We, need, yeah, we just need to put ourselves in the place where God can meet with us. Those of you who speak in tongues, speak in tongues. This is the great Paul who met with God. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. You know, we get all embarrassed about these things, but either they're true or they're not. I had someone sort of say to me, oh, Ken, things have changed. You can't talk about fornicating no more. You can't talk about shacking no more. You can't talk about him and her. You can't do that anymore. Things have changed. It's a different world. Let me talk to you about Paul going to Corinth. You think you're bad now. You don't see many male prostitutes kind of... You don't see all that going on in front of your eyes. As an everyday, this is the way it goes. Paul went to Corinth and preached the gospel. We need to be those who are unashamed about truth is still truth. What sets people free? John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. John 17 and 17. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. If we don't tell them, how are they going to know? Oh, God, do something in our nation. Yeah, you and me. Well, I'm, I'm cranked on this. I tell you, I've been there today. I've been on this. Anyway, very quickly... Has God changed? Malachi 3 and 6. Behold, I am the Lord, I do not change. Matthew, um, Matthew. <laughs> Jeremiah 32 and 27, isn't it? Come on, I'm getting better. Jeremiah 32 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh is anything. Too hard for me. You're still in case struggle. Go to Exodus chapter 3, isn't it? I'll go skip over one. And Moses says to God, who should I say sent me? And he says, say I am sent you. He didn't say, say I was. He didn't say, I will be. 
He says, I am, present continuous. And in saying, I am, he is saying this. And literally, it means this. I am the all-sufficient one. I am whatever you need me to be. I lay my hands on the sick. I need a healer. God says, I am. I confronted the forces of evil. I need to cast them out. I say, God says, I am. I am. I, I am whatever you need me to be. I am the friend who stays closer than the brother. I am the friend who loves at all times. I am the husband to the widow, husbandless. I am a husband to the widow. I am a father to the fathers. I am whatever you need me to be. Everyone looks everywhere else instead of looking to God. That's why the Bible says they looked unto him and were radiant. Psalm 126 and verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help don't come in the name of this, that, or anything else. My help comes in the name of the Lord who says, nothing's too hard for me, who says, I do not change, who says, I have no favourites. Acts chapter 10 and 44, that is, I think, or 38, 38. I perceive that God has no, shows no partiality, has no favourites. What he'll do for one, he'll do for all. You only have to find one person that God's healed to believe for a healing. Otherwise, he wouldn't be just. Why would you do it for her and not for him? You show favoritism. One size fits all. And what is the one size? It comes in a package which is called believe. Only believe. Why? All things are possible to those who will believe that all things are possible with God. Someone's going to get there. Jesus hasn't changed, is he? Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same. Today, I hope the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. So we see that Oh, yeah. I'm not even, I've not got time for that, other than to say, give you Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And if God's going to do it then, if he's going to do it now, he'll use the same means. So the Holy Spirit kind of changed. The Holy Spirit was there at creation. Right, good. All of that said, you happy now? Of course you are. My next point is this, that when God wants to do something in the earth or in this church, he looks for a man or a woman. Notice that very PC, a man or a woman. Happy with that? God moves in the earth, he's God, he's sovereign God, but generally when he moves, he moves through a person. It depends whatever level you want to look at. Uh, John Wesley for the Methodist, William Booth for the Salvation Army, Parnham, Seymour, and some of them great men for the Pentecostal movement that we know. Uh, and women, oh, women, Mary. There's a pretty good one. When God wants to do something in the earth, he looks for someone to birth it through. 
In fact, we're going to talk about Gideon in a minute, but Gideon would have messed up if it weren't for a woman. Huh? Remember? Deborah. I won't go unless you go with me. You won't get the glory if I go with you, mate. All right. Hey, Barak. That one. We're going to talk about Gideon, though. Anyway, when God looks for a man, oh, when God was this like in the earth, he looks for a man. 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 say this. One of my favourite scriptures. Just look at the person next to you, if you will, with a smile on your face. Don't snarl at them, they won't come back. It says this, that when God wants to do something, he looks for a man. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the whole earth seeking something. Seeking those whose hearts are upright or loyal to whom he might show himself strong. That holy discontent in you that holy disquiet in you is the thing that God is looking for because he wants to move through it to do something in the earth. See, so often it becomes negative. I'm just going to gossip and talk bad about it. Rather than letting God do a work with it. Are you getting there? I, I, you should be getting excited now because each one of us, if you're content where you are, just die. Go to heaven, you know, why, why hang around? If God's got more, so you're never too old, hold. you're never too old, you can pray. Oh, I don't get out much, you can pray. I don't know what to pray about. Speak in tongues, spirit knows. Don't, don't speak in tongues, get the baptism in the Holy Ghost. There's no excuses. You can do something. There are no spare parts. Have you got a spare part in your body other than your coccyx or whatever it is, your little, <laughs> little bit at the back, you know? But there is a spare part in the body. Every part's got a function. In the household of God, why do we then have, which is the body of Christ? I'll leave that one for lunch. You can talk about that. Right, so we're there. <gasps> oh. I'm going to go there and then get to the... I'm doing good. Um, yeah. 2 Corinthians 12. Let me see if we can kill a sacred cow. Verse 9. Paul has prayed to God, God, I've got this issue. And we do not know what the issue is, so please don't start telling me he was sick because the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't. It's in, in, people infer it to make all sorts of sayings. But in fact, it doesn't say that. He's got an, so we'll settle to say he's got an issue. It says, three times I sought the Lord about this to take this issue away. And the Lord comes back and says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
my strength is made per perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast of my weakness. See where it says infirmities there? People will make it say sickness. Actually, the word is weakness. It can mean anything under the sun. I would gladly boast in my weakness that the power of Christ might rest upon me. What is he saying? He said, listen, I, when I am weak, then I am strong. Do not use your problems as your excuse for doing nothing, but rather listen to God say to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I've got enough for you. Someone should get excited. See, oh, Ken, I don't read my Bible enough. Do you know what? A, God can still use you, but B, start reading it. Ken, I don't pray enough. Well, do you know what? God can still speak through a donkey or through a chicken if you read your Bible. But it's better that you do pray a bit more, and then God can do a bit more with you. But don't make excuses. Oh, I'm only young. Mary was 14-ish. David, when he slayed Goliath, 17-ish. I'm too old. I could give you so many old men in the Bible, old women in the Bible, who did great exploits. You've got no excuse other than an excuse. So we better get on with the Bible, wouldn't we? Because you want to talk the Bible. So, I'm going to take for you, very quickly, two characters. One is from Judges chapter 6, Gideon. And we start Judges chapter 6, verse 1, very quickly. We ain't going to stay there, but... So Israel's in a terrible mess. Why are they in a terrible mess? They did evil. That's why, remember what we said? Repentance, restoration, revival, rejoicing. Yeah, stay there. So, we come down to verse 11. Now the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking someone. I'm going to tell you now, there's a candidate who is the most unlikely candidate for God to do great exploits. Now, in the... I'm going to miss all that bit. Keep going. Oh, no. Which belonged to Joash the Abiyazarite. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. God knows where to find his man or woman. Yeah? But there are some problems here, really. This great man of going to do great exploits for God, where is he? Hid. Why is he hid? For fear of losing the little bit he had. Is that what it says, roughly? For the Midianites every year would come and take everything that they had. So he's hid for fear of losing the little bit he had. Ready? Really listen to the CV now. I am looking for a great man of God. Where was the last time you worked? Uh, in a wine press. Uh, what did you do there? Uh, I was hiding. Uh, why? Because I was afraid. See, God doesn't look for perfect people. But he looks for that holy disquiet, that holy discontent, 
But something like this goes something like this. There must be more than this. And if you have not got that inside of you, you need to get born again again. There must be more in this. Lord, I thank you for what I've got. Oh Lord, you've brought me a mighty long way. If I should die now, I would die happy. But Lord, I want more. Lord, this can't be it. There must be more. Heaven's in our heart. And I don't know about you, but heaven is a mighty big place. And there's got to be some... The Bible talks about having days of heaven on earth. But that's not for this. That's for another message if you want. Right. So there he is, hid up. So suddenly, in the middle of his wine press, I got to do that again, I'll break something. But in the middle of his wine press, you got it, carry on reading, down. Verse 12, isn't yeah. And the angel of the Lord appeared. Now, I'm not going to talk about theophanies, am I? Have I got time for a theophany? When you see the big A, it's, it's uh, the angel of the Lord, it's a theophany, the pre-incarnate Christ. But anyway, suddenly, the angel of the Lord <coughs> appears and says, here, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. And at that moment, Gideon looked over his shoulder and thought, who else is in here with me? You mighty man of valour. Ready? God sees something in you that you do not see yourself. Please get this. Who's ever been surprised when God's done something? And you thought, oh, my word. But you shared the gospel with someone and actually said, God, that's great news, I want that. Or you've actually laid a hand timorously on a sick person and they've gone, well, <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? It's a surprise. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. Carry on reading through quickly, for time's sake. Oh, this is good. Where he blames God now. For the Lord is with you, is the end of that verse. Well, if the Lord is with us, why? Pretty good one. The answer to that is why we read chapter 6 and verse 1. The reason all this has happened is because you have turned away from God. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And ready? And where are all the miracles our fathers told us about? I'll tell you where all the miracles are. There. God is not unable to perform, but he's looking for a vessel to perform through. Now, I'm going to give you one word to take home, and you can... Get the translation from it later on if you want. The word is lightning rod. Easy one, isn't it? Power from heaven wants to come to earth. So the way you get it to earth is give it a means it can work through. You stick a rod in the ground and the power from heaven hits that rod and it's earthed. You 
are God's lightning rods. Get the picture. Power from heaven. Wanting to come to earth is just looking for something in the middle. Something it can work through to fulfill its purpose. And that's you and that is me. Amen? So there's Gideon. Ready? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the midnight. Keep going. Then the Lord turned to him and said, maybe in New King James, maybe you don't understand it. Go in this might of yours. Am I missing something about the plot? Or have I got a bloke hid up in a wine press for fear of the Midianites? And God says to him, Go in this might of yours, for you shall deliver Israel. Is that right? Go in this holy discontent of yours and do something with it. Lord, why are we in this mess? Lord, where are the miracles? Go and do something about it. And I want to say to you today, the Holy Ghost is speaking to your heart and he's saying, go and do something about it. You want to see miracles? Go and do something about it. You want to see the sick healed? Go and do something about it. You want to see the lost saved? Go and do something. I don't know what to do. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There is no excuse for you and I to do nothing other than we need reviving. Go in this might of yours. Why? For the Lord has sent you. We don't go alone. Hebrews 13 and 5, isn't it? Therefore, uh, we can, the, the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Next verse, verse 6. Verse 6. It's here, it's in the Bible. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? I have sent you. And then he makes another excuse, which I'd like to just shoot on. I come from the smallest tribe. I come from the smallest family in the tribe and I am the smallest in my family. In fact, I'm pretty small. In fact, I haven't got the means to do it. Boom! And now there's your answer. Because if you could do it, why would God want to use you? You could do it without him. But when we come to the place that when I am weak, then I am strong. I will boast of my weakness that the glory of God might rest upon me. Friends, today, God don't look for perfect people. He looks for willing people. He looks for people who know that they are. Don't look for the person next to you to be offended. Flawed. Less 
then perfect. Got issues. David, in Acts 13, it says, after, by the will of God, no, after he served his generation, by the will of God, he fell asleep. Died. Ready? He served his generation by the will of God. Was David perfect? Uriah would say no. Bathsheba would probably say no. Now, if God's foreknowledge, he knew this was going to transpire, and yet he chose him. Why? Because he saw something in him. And those of you who want some homework, go to 1 Samuel 17, I think, 18. Goliath. Remember, he gets told off by his brothers. What are you doing here? Why have you left those few screwing sheep? You just come down here to spy what's going on. David turns around. Is there not a cause? Something in me says, this is not right. Who is this Philistine to defy the armies of the living God? Someone's got to do something about it. That holy disquiet, that holy discontent. Can I just a couple more? Yeah, I've got a couple more minutes. Ah, all right, we're going to go touch on another one. It's uh, two kings. Chapter 2, verse 9. Serving the next generation. Elijah and Elisha. So Elisha, remember? Our, what was our text? Judges 2.10. When the last lot of that generation died, another generation arose who did not know the Lord nor the works of the Lord. Elijah is about to die. He's got Elisha. So, yeah. In a way, this is quite rude. So he's about to die. So he says to his servant, don't forget, before honour is humility, serve others and God will lift you up. All of that stuff, not for today, ain't got time. What do you want? What can I leave you? Now this is where it gets really rude. I want, to I want more than what you've got. Where is someone who says, oh, Ken can preach, he knows his Bible a little bit, but I want more of that. Ken's been all over the world seeing this and that. I want more than that. He can tell me about things he's seen. But I want more than that. I want a double portion. I want more than what he's got. Where are the people who say, oh, well, that's nice. Don't be nice. Be ugly. Be discontent. Oh, well, I can see that. We all right here? We all right here? I just, yeah. Oh, Heidi, thou did a good job with mother and toddler, but I want more. Sam Welly, he's not here, so I can pick on him. Ken did a half decent job, but I want more. There's got to be that holy thing that says, this can't be it. I want more. Wherever I am, whatever I've done, whatever I've seen, whatever I've heard, whatever you've told me, I want more than that. I've read the books, I've seen the video, or DVDs, or I've seen it on my phone, pardon me. <laughs> Could be worse, real or real. I, but I want more. Yeah. I want more. 
You know the story. So he turns around and says, if you see me when I go up, you can have it. Oh, my father, the horses and chariots of Israel. And he's getting taken up in his mantle. Mantle always talks about the anointing of God. You know where it says, we'll be clothed with power from on high? You'll be mantled with power from on high. So, the mantle comes down. Elijah picks it up. Well, he did something else first. What did he do first? You keeping up with me? Tore his clothes off? Not because he wanted to be a nudist. All right, he hadn't kind of gone hug a tree or whatever. It says, he tore, it says, he tore, do you want the verse? Uh, there. Yeah. He took hold of it. Uh, oh, yeah. Verse 12. So when he saw him no more, then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Why? Because you have to make way for what God wants to put on you. So he could keep his old clothes, but no, he tore off where he was or what he was and made way for God to put something on him. That's why he should be making way. So he does it. He takes the thing, the mantle, the cloak. He took up the mantle of Elijah, struck the Jordan, and Elijah had not only go strike your Jordan, you're right. Struck the Jordan, which he'd already done, which Elijah had done a little while ago, and said, Where is the God of Elijah? You did it for him, do it for me. I've got that anointing on my life. I want to see you move. Sometimes a voice comes back from heaven, but where are the Elijahs of God? Because God is looking for a lightning rod. God is looking for something he can manifest in the earth through. And I think, looking at my notes, I've got one last thing I'd like to say, and that's about me. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Let me just go back to Elijah and let me give you another one about God demonstrating. And then we'll close. And this is really quick. It's uh, two, 1 Kings. 1 Kings 18. Firstly, remember who knows reads their Bible? James chapter 4. Don't, don't have to look it up. Round about verse 17 says, listen, Elijah was a man like you and me. A man of like nature. See, the problem is, we think these people are super dupers. Somehow or another, we're born under a, the right sign. Can't say that, could you? You know what I mean? But we start thinking that they were. But all they were were men and women of like nature to you and me who had that holy discontent 
that holy disquiet. So you know the story now. Israel's backslidden, gone away from God again. And this is the uh, 1 Kings 18. And he, Elijah calls them to account, basically, on Mount Carmel. And he lays down a challenge, and it's a challenge that you and I could maybe consider. He says, let the God who answers by fire, let the God who shows up, let him be God. You see, you don't lay your hands on the sick in case he don't show up. difference here is Elijah stands up heaven earth let God who answers by fire let him be God I tell you what you are a challenge this unbelieving secular world you are a challenge because once you get hold of heaven and once you can manifest it in the earth you cannot deny it let the God who answers by fire so then he makes it hard for God. Remember the story? He makes it hard for God to, to you know, you don't believe me? Da, 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 da. He throws water all over the sacrifice just to make it hard for God to answer by fire. And then he prays, and this is a bit I thought would be kind of a good place to stop. Hear me, Lord, hear me, that the people might know that you are Lord God and that you have turned their hearts Hear me, O oh God. Hear me. Let the people know that you're God. Demonstrate. Show up. Show out. I'm here, standing in the lightning rod. Show up. And what's it say? Round about. Out. Next verse. And when he had prayed, 38, Ron. The fire of the Lord fell. And notice it didn't fall until someone stood in the middle. Notice God didn't move until somebody stood in the middle. Can I say to you today, I'm, I'm going to issue a challenge to you. You want to see your life rechanged? God. I'm really challenged by this for me. God, I want more of you. I'm, I'm, I've got this holy discontent. And you know it's there. But instead of moaning about Samueli and me and everybody else, start looking a bit nearer to home. And let that holy discontent provoke you to get hold of God. I want more of you. I want to see you manifest in the earth. I'm not content with what I've got. Where's the miracles my father's told me about? I'm a Pentecostal. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see people baptised in the Holy Ghost. I want to see signs, wonders, miracles. I'm hungry for them. Lord, and as we stand in the middle, God now show up. God now do it. Not for me. Not for us. But to your glory and to your praise. Can you stand in the presence of the Lord? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And what was it, thank you, and what was it that the angel said to Gideon? 
If you wanted a title for this sermon, it's Go in the Might of Yours. You have got something in you that if you will partner with it, if you will get on board with it, if you will ride it, I tell you what, there's an adventure that God is laying before you. He says, I hear the Spirit of God speak to you today, saying to you, I have such a great adventure for you. Don't worry about anyone else's. Don't worry about others. I have an adventure for you. Get on board. Go with it. So now, Father, in the name of Jesus, and according to your word, your word says that you sent your word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And Father, I pray today on the strength of the word that you have sent to us, that each one of us would be hungry for personal revival, coming back to life, coming back to activity, coming out of that stupor of average and good enough, but hungry for more. Lord, move. And Lord, when you see us, when you see that discontent in our hearts, Lord, here we are, send us. For this must change. This cannot stay the way it is. Move, Spirit of God, now. Take each heart as they are open to you. Let your words settle in this seedbed. I pray now in the name of Jesus and Lord, let it produce fruit to your glory, to your praise. In Jesus' name.